Ephesians chapter 5, 18 to 21. And do not get drunk on wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Father, we come this morning to hear from you, to understand your word. Father, understanding that when you give a command, you give the resource to fulfill the command in the lives of us ordinary people. So, Father, teach us this morning that we may reflect more and more our Savior and Lord. Father, we love you. May our love grow with every breath till that day our faith becomes sight. And we will run this race before us to your glory and praise. Amen. We are looking at a section of Scripture, the filled with the Spirit. And I shared with you in verse 18 is a command, but it uses a contrast to focus the command. Okay, With all the false religions that were there at the time of the writing of this letter, and all the false religions that are there at the time of me reading it, and I see this a lot. Uh, some of you remember when we went through 1 Corinthians. What, what we see in 1 Corinthians, you sit there and you look at it and you think, man, this is insane. But then you start thinking about it. Adults coming out of pagan religions are now baptized by Jesus Christ and His Spirit into the body of Christ. And so they have all this stuff that they're going to have to get rid of. Okay, it's, it's, uh, I remember talking to my son about baptism. And he said, well, you know, dad, you know, baptism doesn't save you and it doesn't do this. And I said, no, it doesn't. It's just an act of obedience. He tells me to be baptized and I obey. He said, well, it's not that big a deal. I said, well, if you think baptism ain't that big a deal, wait till he starts messing with your pride. I said, because then it goes south. Okay. All the false were out there, and these people would be saved legitimately, born-again, spirit-indwelt Christians. Okay? And yet, they bring their habits. They bring their rituals. All of this stuff. I guess your former life comes walking in with you. Now, I shared with you in verse 18 that it's based on two things. The meaning of being filled. What does, and, and I shared with you in the original language, be being kept filled. So it's something I got to continually be looking at. Okay. What does filled mean? And I shared with you a couple of illustrations of how the word is used. The one that I think is my favorite is when the sails of a ship were filled with wind, what happened to the ship? It moved. It moved. Okay, so be being kept filled with the Spirit means that the Spirit of the living God is moving me where I need to be. Okay, not where I want to be, where He wants me to be. All right? 
And the means of this was the Holy Spirit. And I shared with you that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You're not waiting. You're not trying to get, you know, I've only got about an eighth of a tank spirit right here, and I need to get up, you know, at least three-eighths of a tank. Okay, no, you have 100% of the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation. All right, but you and I in our infinite wisdom do have the ability to quench the Spirit and grieve the Spirit. Neither one of those have a profit to it. All right, it is all part of the worthy walk that we looked at in chapter 4, verse 1. Okay, and all of that is based on the foundational positions that each Christian has in Christ. So please, whatever, no matter what God's command is, always know emphatically He provides the resources. If He wants you to be holy, for He is holy, He will do it. All right? You and I can't do this. Okay? But when this is going on, do we understand this, this is that picture that you see of John the Baptist. I must decrease. He must increase. All right. How is that done? Being filled with the Spirit. Okay. What does that mean? I have to get out of the way. I have to allow Him to take me here. This week I had to uh, deal with some bikers in, um, shall we call it a club? Sounds cool, doesn't it? What is it? A club. But anyway, one of the vice presidents or something like that died of COVID. Okay, so I pull up at this house down in the Springs, and there are more motorcycles than you'll see at a dealer sitting there. And I'm like, you know that it's only about 20 degrees, right? But anyway. So I go strolling in. Okay, this guy's died of COVID. Then it's at, at their clubhouse or whatever. I go strolling in. I throw on my N95, and I go walking in. And here are all these bikers, all wearing masks, grieving over the loss of one of their vice presidents. And I was just sitting there going, this is peculiar. This is peculiar. Okay, I mean, I've been had dealings with bikers, a big piece of my life. But to all see them there with masks on, a couple of them had them gloves and thing, gloves, things on. And you're sitting there going, hmm. But then, you know, I was talking to them. I, I guess this is the third that has died. And they're young. I mean, you're younger than me, you're young. And they were in their 50s. Okay, and I thought... Who is adequate for dealing with this? Because I know I ain't. I mean, I know some of these guys. They know that I'm a pastor. But I thought, really? I was like, it would be just about like God just put me in with a bunch of scooter trash and give me COVID. <laughs> no, don't panic. I always stay away from bikers. I never get within six feet for a whole different set of reasons. Okay. But 
I, I just want you to think because I thought, here I am dealing with eternal things with a motorcycle club. And you're like, no, man, you can't make this up. But you know what? When you decrease, God increases. Okay? It's weird. It's, it's just, it's, you have to get out of the way. That is to be filled with the Spirit. Is that it ain't me. Not only, not only is it not us, you don't want it to be us. We want him to do it. We just happen to be the old clay pot that is standing there. That brings me to consequences. 19 to 21. This is a fascinating section. You guys know that when I get ready to teach a book, I read it, the whole book, every day. I don't know how long I've been reading Ephesians, but it's been a while. And I kept coming back to that verse 18. And, you know, I didn't know why, but I just, you know, this is kind of right here. Be filled with the Spirit. Be kept, be, always be, every step, moment, moment by moment, being filled. And I just kept looking at it over and over. What I realized is that is the hinge pin for the book. Okay? He gave us our position in Christ. He prayed once that we would understand that. And then two, that the Holy Spirit would begin to work in each of us. So that in chapter four, you would walk worthy. And that, remember, we would walk in humility. We would walk in love. We would walk in wisdom. Okay? And remember all that? Okay? And then we come down to verse 18 and he says, be filled. Or if you go to the original language, keep be being kept filled. Okay? If you are spirit filled, there's something happens in your life. Okay? There are uh, consequences that will go if you if you're really honest with this letter, the rest of this letter from verse 18 is the consequences of being filled. There's all kinds of things happen. I mean, and I get a little summary general thing just in verses 19 to 21. In verse 19, I become a singer. Okay? Everybody's thrilled, huh? You ain't ever been spirit-filled, have you? <laughs> We've heard you. In verse 20, you have a grateful heart. Verse 21, you know what? You submit. You know who you submit to? It's easier who don't I submit to. You submit to everyone. Okay? Listen, in verse 21... We are submitting to everyone into the Lord. And that becomes the basis of everything else. In verse 22 all the way to chapter 6 verse 9. 
you're seeing what submission looks like. Those verses are literally an an exposition of verse 21. They explain what does it mean to be submitted in the fear of the Lord. And he explains it through the rest of the book. Well, until verse 10 of chapter 6, then he deals with the armor uh, that a Christian has. Because one of the things you will learn is that when you are spirit-filled, you will need to really know where your armor is. Okay? And you uh, you will learn quickly that uh, taking it off is stupid. I mean, even if you're wanting to polish it, it's still stupid. I remember my son, he uh, was a year in Afghanistan over toward uh, the Pakistani border. And they had a thing that was called a kit. And it basically was a front plate, a back plate, a thing down between your legs. And it was all strapped up with Kevlar. And it guarded you from chest shots. <laughs> I remember him making a statement to me. He says, Dad, there wasn't one single day that I was there that no somebody didn't shoot at us. He said, it might have been a mortar, it might have been an IED, it might have been a rifle, it might have been a little combat thing. He says, but every day. And he says, you know what else I learned? You don't ever take your kit off because you never know when you're going to have to go run someplace. He would explain some other things I won't get into, but I thought about that if I'm in a place, we were studying this morning in Sunday school, I'm in a place that hates me. But they hated him first. Okay, so I'm, I'm not privileged. If they hate me, why in the world would I ever take my armor off? Okay? See, when you walk in the Spirit, Satan and his allies will set up and try to stop you from walking Spirit-filled. Okay? Are you encouraged yet? These are the tools of a Christ-full individual. Those who stand in the grace that is Christ Jesus. The rest of this letter deals with our response. What do we look like being filled with the Spirit? This book all comes together in verse 18. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, controlled by His Spirit, and when you do, these things happen in verse 21 and following. So what is the first one? And I'm just going to lay a a, a foundation for this one because it's kind of... It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, And spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. In your outline, I have, what is the first consequences of being filled with the Spirit? The first is you and me. It's personal. It's to yourself. This is a result of the Spirit-filled life. There's a, um, a thing that occurs within a believer first one that you see there is that it has to do with us, but it is very personal. To live in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, 
It has results. I guess what I'm trying to say is you can see it. You can see it. It produces something in each individual Christian that is apart from anybody else. Okay. Second thing you see is that it gives thanks. Always. You see what it says? Always. You know what that means? Always. Always giving thanks for all things. All things. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So being spirit-filled is a life that is very grateful for all things. And then the last one there in verse 21 is submitting. Okay, So that deals with everybody else. So what you see, the consequences of a spirit-filled life is one, with yourself, two, with God, three, with everybody else. Okay? You know what's amazing in just that little bitty section, 19, 20, 21? And they tell me that this book, wow, this is written by men. Men ain't this smart. In just those three verses, every possible relationship is made right by being spirit-filled. Think about that for a second. Every possible relationship is made right. I'm right with me. I'm right with God. And I'm right with you. Everything comes together. And then if you wanted to be honest, there ain't no other way to live. Because I've seen the other way. And I can tell when people are living that way. Hey, I can see that relationship is just sparkling. yippee ki Okay, do you see what I mean? When I'm right with me, I sing. When I'm right with God, I pour out thanks. And when I'm right with you, I submit. And the Spirit of God pulls us all together, puts it in three little verses. All relationships possible. The Holy Spirit does this, and you're covered in every single relationship. Three very simple truths that are amazing. Okay, so I'm going to start whittling away into this thing. The first one, the personal. With ourselves. What is the consequences with ourselves? God looking how we are responding. Do you guys, some of you will remember. I don't know. Gosh, I think Paige, Amy, Dane, and Stephanie. When I did Matthew. That was six or seven decades ago. We went through the Beatitudes, be of this attitude. And we said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacekeepers. You remember? Okay. The word bless, you know what the original language says it is? The word bless means happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are the peacemakers. You know what I find fascinating about that? What's God's first concern? I want you happy. I want you to have joy abundance. I want you to know my joy. We were looking at that this morning in John 17. Happy 
God wants his people happy. So Paul starts this off, and the first thing that he gives is, this is for you. Okay? But I also know, because when you read that, be filled with the Spirit, and then you make melody with your heart, to whom? To the Lord. You're happy, and the melody that's in your heart goes to who? Keep that in mind. The product of a spiritual life is something that happens in your life, in my life. And it is released by a song. John Calvin, old stuffy theologian, John Calvin. I wrote my institutes when I was 20. And people who are in their 60s don't understand what I wrote. Okay, so anyway, that's John. Here's a quote of his. Singing is an expression of the emotion of the soul. That sounds like a stuffy theologian, doesn't it? Something about spirit zodiades. I just can't see that coming from him. Singing. I wonder if you can whistle spirit-filled. Huh? I, I know you can't play a kazoo spirit-filled. I tried it just this weekend. When a believer walks in the Spirit, there is an inside joy that is released through music. Not so long ago, I, I grew up in the, the evil age of the 60s and 70s rock and roll. One of my favorite groups was the Birds. They did a song that most of you know, House of the Rising Sun. Okay, I heard that was it the music? Heard that music and the lyrics was Amazing Grace. And you're sitting there going, Whoa. Because see, Amazing Grace means a lot to me. The first Christian song I ever heard was Amazing Grace. And it was done by uh, the 34th Regiment of the Scottish Highlanders Bagpipe Corps. And I mean, that song just is just like, Whoa, that's cool. I didn't know there was words with it, but I just liked the way it sounded. God has put music in our souls. Everybody likes music. It soothes the wild beast. No, it doesn't. I've had a bear chase me. It didn't blink an eye. I was singing. Maybe that's why I was chasing me as I was singing. Okay, but you know, I take a joy in it. I was thinking about my dear precious friend, Hank Smith. It doesn't say you have to sing on key. Did you notice that? It just says sing. You got this joy. You don't have to be on key. I mean, you know, people say, well, you read music? Yeah, if it's got words. If ain't got no words, they'll hum along as you go. Singing, remember what we're looking at filled is. We are in the presence of Christ. And so singing has to be an obvious joy being in the presence of Christ. It's kind of cool, isn't it? You guys act like you already knew this. Well, why didn't you tell me? 
It is something that is in the heart that God is doing in the life. And, and it's, it's a miraculous joy. It, it gives song. Let me give you an illustration. We, before COVID, used to do these worship services once a month up at the care center. And some of these people are just terrible place. I mean, and, and they're elderly and, uh, they're, you know, they're like on heaven's front step or something. And, and there's times you would sit and try to talk to them. They've got this glazed look in their face and, and it just breaks your heart because it's still a human being. And, and you try to hold their hands. You know, I want to pray. They don't acknowledge that you're even there. And then you pray and you might get a little squeeze. And you're like, yeah. But you know, one of the things I always notice, they'd bring these elderly people out in these really weird looking wheelchairs all propped up and, uh, breaks my heart. And we would have a worship service. And you see these people with glazed over eyes. And they don't have any, it's like they don't even know what planet they're on. And you start singing the old hymns. How firm a foundation, amazing grace, and all the rest of it. And those people would start mouthing those words. And you just sit there and go, wow! Part of the reason I kept doing it. And yet I contrast it with some of the stuff I hear today and I get glazed over. I think about the that time, the historical time setting of writing of Ephesians and all the pagan orgies and demonic worship that was going on in the name of music. And yet God has made a sweet song of the heart that is born out of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has filled me the Holy Spirit is directing me. The Holy Spirit has given me the presence of Christ wherever I stand, whatever's going on around me, and I have a song in my heart. I, uh, I hear uh, Francisco, he's alive. It's one of the first Christian songs that I ever heard in Don Francisco. He lives down in uh, Pitkin County. But you listen to the words of the song and there's a knock at the door and Peter, they're all terrified and it, there's a knock at the door and they open it and there's Christ and they shout forth, he is alive. I have been forgiven. And you just... You know, I get chills thinking about it now. I got a song that I played in here one night. It's a time to worship by a guy named Steve Camp. And I mean, it just, I have to stop. I, I ain't doing anything else. I'm stopping. I ain't doing nothing. And I mean, every once in a while I'll have a tough time, tough time of it or a tough stretch. I'll come in here, turn the sound system on, throw that CD in, figure out how to get it over there to that song, hit that and crank it up. And I mean, the curtains are moving. But it's time to worship. Music reflects our souls. So as a Christian, it should be different. Remember what I told you in Colossians 3.16? Let the Word of Christ dwell 
richly, richly within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Amen. Let's run around, teach and admonish. Richly in the word. Look what it says. With psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs singing, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let's study the word and sing to each other. And those of you who are off key, turn the volume down. Just, just, you know, he does say it's a joyful noise, but remember he says it's a noise. Okay. James chapter five, verse 13. If anyone among you is suffering. Okay. Then he must pray. And we go, Amen. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Listen, music in a believer always starts in the heart and it goes where? To the Lord. I'm singing to the Lord. Some of this stuff I'm hearing in the name of Christian music, I don't know where it's going. But it ain't going to the Lord. Romans tells us the kingdom of God is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit produces that peace, when the Holy Spirit produces that righteousness and that joy, you can't do anything but sing. So what I want you to think is, as a believer who is, let's hope we're all striving for spirit-filled, then there needs to be a joy in my heart that is so great that every once in a while I just spill it. And it comes out to name that tune. (laughs) Redemption gives the believer a new song. Did you know that in the New Testament... I was going through this. This is what happens when you leave me alone. That the word new, that word, is used more times with songs than anything else in the New Testament. There's a new creation. There's, I'm new in Christ. I have a new nature. I have a new life. I have a new birth. But more than that, new appears with Song. The Bible is telling us we that are redeemed, there is a new song. Now then, I want to make sure you know what new means. It's not netos. Netos is new in order, in chronological. Okay? This is newer. This Buick is newer than that Buick. Okay? This is chaos. Chaos, sorry means that there's never been one like it. It's new in kind. It's character, it's quality, it's completely different. That's our song. It's the song of the redeemed. Songs claiming to be Christian that sounds like everything else going on in the world. What is that? What is that? You know, because I've had people say, do you do anything besides hymns? Yeah. I do. 
Have you ever listened to the theology that are in the old hymns? And then go look at churches today and think, where did their theology go? Songs. We have a new song. Nine times in the New Testament, it's always used in speaking in correlation with salvation and redemption. Okay? I'll take you back to the Old Testament because it's not a new phenomenon. Old Testament, Psalm chapter 33, verse 1. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to Him with the harp and the ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is upright and His work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice and the earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. So did you see what he just did there? In righteousness and in salvation, there is a new song. Sing of what God has done in making us righteous. That's, you know, I hear people saying, well, you know, I'd like to write a song. I'd like to do. The biggest book in the Bible is nothing but songs. Throw some notes on it. What God has done for us in redeeming us, then we should sing. Okay. Chapter 90, no wait, let's go to 40. 40's funner. Chapter 40 of the book of Psalms, verses 2 and 3. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay. He has set my feet on a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. In 96.1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. See, the singing is always tied to what? Salvation. The redeemed. 98. 1 and 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand, His holy arm have gained the victory for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He's revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. So you sing a a new song. 144, verse 9. I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon the harp, the ten strings. I will sing praises to you who give salvations to kings. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and praise the congregation of the godly ones. There it is, redemption again. Always a song is connected to redemption. Well, let me show you. Revelations chapter 5, verse 9. 
And they sang a new song. Who was it? Four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowl full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. What is the new song? Worthy are you to take the book and to break the seals, for you were slain, purchased of God with your blood, men of every tribe. Got it? Worthy is the Lamb. He is worthy of a new song because He has redeemed us. The truths of the Christian life. Okay? It's a song of redemption. Alright, so when you look in Ephesians and you see psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, understand that it's a what? It's a new song. It's a song that focuses on Jesus Christ because of my redemption. It comes from my heart that is overwhelmed of its salvation, and it goes to my Lord who saved me. He causes us to burst forth with joy. When we are controlled by His Spirit. I see Christians walking around like this. You know what? I know who's not controlling you. Okay? We should have a smile. It's, I told you that one time I was there. They reestablished May Day in Moscow. Okay, that's to celebrate the de- defeat of Germany. And the city sh- closes. And all the still surviving World War II vets, they go try to get back in their uniforms and they fill the streets. I mean, Moscow, you can't drive. And their sidewalks are probably 12 feet wide and their sidewalks are full and it goes all the way across the street to the other sidewalk. But one of the things I think I've told you before, when you look at Russian people, they're always scowling. And I've asked them about it. I said, what's up with that? They said, well, you, you people who smile are up to something. And you're like, oh, okay. That's what I always thought. But if you watch Christians, they're always smiling. And I would see them. I'd be out there elbow to elbow with all of these Russians. And I'm like, you defeated Germany and you're mad. (laughs) What is that about? Okay. I thought you're celebrating victory, you know, but anyway, um, but you're walking around and I seen a guy coming up to me, this big Cheshire grin on his face. I was like, he's either drunk. Or he knows my Jesus. So I said, Dobre vice, krastas, slava boga. That's basically saying, Good afternoon, praise Jesus Christ to the praise of God the Father. And he gives me this big hug and wanted to give me a big slurpy kiss and everything. And then he goes off in Russian. No, no, dude, that's all I got. <laughs> Okay, so, but it was like the joy of salvation is in that guy, and there's a bunch of them over here that ain't. Okay, he causes us to burst forth. Now I'm going to close with this last thought. This is a good one. You ready? Two times, two times, we hear the angels sing. Okay, do not. Fall into the snare of Hallmark. The angels did not sing at the birth of Christ. The angels said, go look at the text. Okay, because everybody said, no, no, they sang when he, nope. 
The angels. You see all the little pictures of the angels and they're tooting their horns waiting for the drummer boy. They spoke at the birth of Christ. Two times. Okay. The first time, you guys ready? Was before the book of Genesis. Now, how do you know that? Okay. Job tells me. Okay. Job tells me when God created the earth, the morning stars sang together. You know what that tells me? It's before the fall. They saw creation. Okay. Morning stars in the book of Job is angels. Okay. They sang at creation. Okay. Before the fall. Okay. The next time the angels sing. Revelations. When Jesus sets up his kingdom, he puts an end to the fall, gains paradise back, and the angelic hosts sing. So between the fall of man and the restoration in Christ, you don't hear the angels sing. Okay, and we always think, well, it's got an angelic voice. What does that sound like? Because the one was way before Genesis. And the other one hasn't happened yet. So what does the angelic host sound like? Maybe they sing off key. You know why they don't sing? I've laid it all out for you. The new song is a song of what? Redemption. No angel has ever known redemption. They cannot be saved. If they fell with Lucifer, they go with Lucifer. They will sing in the end when they see the redemption of God's creation. But you know what's cool? We can sing now. We can. I remember the, one of the first times I was at at the Shepherds Conference. They were only allowed to have 450 guys from around the world at the Shepherds Conference. And the, the joke used to be that you became a pastor because you can't sing. Okay, and so we'll set you down, keep your mouth quiet, and get up there and say something, and then sit back down. Okay, and we sing. First time I ever heard this song, Be Thou My Vision. And there's 450 pastors singing. And I was like, whoa, I think we're going to go to heaven now. I think we can get through the roof. I think it looks thick. We can get through it. And it was awesome. Of course, uh, Clayton was playing the piano. They got a piano that's up there about the size of that row. And just, I mean, it was so stirring. He was just like, whoa. I was there a couple of years ago with Pastor Paul from Myanmar, and it was packed. And we were standing at the back wall uh, of the church, and they sang, Mighty Fortress is Our God. And right over here was a bunch of Spanish-speaking guys. And over here was a bunch of Russian guys. They had them things that translate. And they're singing in their language. 
And I don't know what Paul was doing. <laughs> it, there was sound. And uh, I, you just sit there and you think, whoa, whoa. And I, I, I love music. But see, we can sing even in the middle of the curse because we know personal redemption. We sing the song of the redeemed. Our redemption gives us a song. The spirit of the living God, when he controls our lives, causes the song to pour forth from us. There's all kinds of songs that bounce around in your head. Uh, Michael Card, God's Own Fool. He got in trouble for that song, and yet that's what the words of Paul used in Corinthians, that we were a fool for Christ. <laughs> we will sing of redemption. So back to our text for a second. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. If you can ever find uh, Amazing Grace done by uh, <laughs> a house in the New Orleans, check it out. It's good. So, I mean, I just it's just like, wow. It's hard, though, when you grew up with the birds to try to put Amazing Grace over. There is Amazing Grace in New Orleans. So, <laughs> that's why I'm a preacher, not a songwriter. Okay? I'll get more into this so that you get a handle on it. But it is, when I think about my worship to God, it always comes from my heart. Okay? And it's always focused to Him. Okay? And it can be anything. It'd be Thanksgiving. It can be praises. It can be song. It can be hymns. It can be spiritual songs. It can be the Psalms. But it's always from my heart to Him because it is a redemption song. That is our new song. Let's pray. Father, thank You uh, for Your Holy Word. Thank You, Father, for the Spirit of the living God inside of Your children. I pray for these people and myself that, uh, Lord... You would strengthen us in the inner man by your spirit, that Christ would be at ease and comfortable in our lives, and that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and we would see the fullness of God as you do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Wow. Help us, Lord. In Christ's name. Amen.